Ah, good morning. Good morning. You good? You need anything else for me? Uh, you brought four bottles of water. I don't know if that'll be enough. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Well, it's great to be back in Paris. My, I've been asking the Lord to send his people back to church, and you guys heard my prayer, your answer to the prayer. People are coming back to church. It's wonderful. Glad you're here today. Wonderful. I've got a couple things I want to do, and I've been wrestling with it all the way over here driving this morning, how to tie these two things together that I want to do. And the conclusion I came up with is I won't be able to do it. <laughs> so, but I'm still going to do both things. I'm just not going to tie them together. Not long ago, I came across a little video that blessed me so, so much, and I hardly can go anywhere today without sharing that if I have video equipment. And so I want you to sit back and enjoy, be blessed by this video that I found. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. What an immense, I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and yet, and yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said, you know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, did you, excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor, Angel. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are you, are you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. <laughs> now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can then give only lip service to its efficacy while at the same time living as if my salvation 
depends upon me. And as soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says, you know, I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well. No, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's why Luther says most of your Christian life is outside of you in this sense that we know that we're not saved by good works. We're not saved as a result of our professions, but we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved. The man on the middle cross said, I could come. That's the only answer that any of us will ever have. For the scripture says, remember, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It boils down to this. A lot of people say, well, I did this. I love what he says. I believed, I repented, I had faith. That's still first person. Let me tell you why, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a believer in Jesus, let me tell you why you are in. Because the man on the middle cross said you could come. Because this is this now, because I, I don't know that you hear this, not necessarily from this pulpit, because I, I know what Corey believes, but universally you don't hear this much. And here's the reality of you and me going to heaven someday. Has nothing to do with our good works, whether we tithe, how faithful we were at church, uh, how much we read our Bible. If you go to heaven someday, it'll be because he chose you. And it always gets real quiet when I say that. Amen. Why would he choose me? Because he wasn't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I believe he called and chose each one of us. And our response was not, or cannot be, I believed, I repented, I had faith. My response is because he chose me. How do you know you're chosen? I'm here today. I acknowledge him, the one who chose me. In a lot of churches, they do this. And I think I'm going to do it now, even though I would not planned to do it. They'll use the phrase... Let's reaffirm our faith. Well, it was necessarily not my faith in him as much as it was his belief and faith in me that caused him to choose me. If you're chosen in light of what I'm saying now, not because of anything you did except just received the gift of being chosen, and you're, still, you're satisfied, and it's okay, I'm saying satisfied in the good sense, you're satisfied with the fact that you did nothing, but he chose you, and you want to continue on in this state of chosenness. Got me? You want to continue on the way you are in this state of chosenness. You want to do that. I want to ask you to stand to your feet.
a lot of chosen people here today, and people who are standing saying, I want to continue in this journey of being chosen. Now I'm going to thank the Father for all of us for choosing us. How's that? Father, thank you today for your word. Your word is light. Lord, you have said many times throughout Scripture that we are your children. We're the sheep of your pasture. You're the good shepherd. You chose us. You picked us. You selected us. And today we stand to our feet here acknowledging you are the king above all kings. And even we're reminded, as Brandon said, everything that's over our head today is under your feet because you're king of kings and lord of lords. And you sit at the right hand of the Father. And we say thank you for dying for our sins we thank you for choosing us, for selecting us, and we're going to continue our journey acknowledging that you are the very reason and the only reason that we're alive and will be received into heaven one day. We bless you and we thank you for this time that we can do this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, I, I, did y'all hear about the lady? Did y'all hear about the lady who who went to church one day, and there was a new usher that greeted her. And uh, he said, good morning, welcome, where would you like to be seated? She said, I want to be seated on the very front row, right in the very front row in the center. I want to sit right in front of the preacher. The new young greeter said, ma'am, uh, our pastor is boring and he puts a lot of people to sleep is could I seat you somewhere else where you'd be more comfortable she said no I want to sit right on the front row in front. he seated her and before he left she said Sonny she said do you know who I am he said no ma'am she said I'm the pastor's mother He hung his head. And when he lifted his head again, he said, ma'am, he said, uh, do you know who I am? She said, no. He said, thank God. <laughs> you know, I can be a lot of things, but I don't want to be boring. And I don't want you to go to sleep on me, Okay. How many of you, uh, let me see, I'm just going to take a poll. Corey and I had a good talk about today. It was been a, it's been a year ago, I think it was last February or March, that either Corey or one of the staff members went through and taught again our relationship principles. How many of you are familiar with the relationship principles that we teach and believe? Can I, can I see your hand? Okay, most of you are, and even if you are, what we do is in our churches, all of our Christian fellowship churches, we, we try to teach this relationship, these relationship principles at least once every year. They're important. I want to just take a little time to tell you how they came about, and then I'll go through them rather quickly and give you maybe uh, the cliff notes, and then I'll let later on in the year if Corey or the staff want to go in depth with these, they can do that. 
1982, I started the first Christian Fellowship Church in Harlingen, Texas. It wasn't long after that. Uh, well, let, let me back up. Before I started the church, uh, right before I started the church, I went, how many of you all know about, ever heard of Women's Glow? Very, some of you may have heard of Women's Glow. It's like, uh, I think, full gospel businessmen. I, I, uh, when I left the Baptist church, I left on good terms, but I was hungry. I wanted more. I wanted to experience more than I was experiencing in the Baptist church. And so I went to every meeting that I could. I was so hungry. I went to, I went to women's glow meetings. I went to a women's glow meeting, I remember, and I was, I, I snuck in late at the back, and there was all women, and I thought, well, I'll wait and sneak in the back and sit down. Sure enough, I thought I snuck in the back, but I did sit down, and the lady who was teaching all these women, she said, did I see a man come in here? Well, I wasn't one of the, I'm not one of the mixed-up crowd. I know the difference between a man and a woman. <laughs> and I knew she had to be talking to me because everything, every, everyone else was women in there. She said, sir, oh, man, don't you hate it when this happens? Sir, would, would you stand up in the back, please, so we can all see you? Oh, it's awful. She said, I have a word, I believe, from God for you. Now, I grew up a Baptist, and people giving words from God, I wasn't really sure about. But I was trapped. <laughs> she said, sir, God told me that you are going to become a pastor to other pastors. And she said, also, the second thing is the Lord told me and showed me was that you're going to be a man of great freedom, great liberty. Those have come to pass. Therefore, obviously, I believe in the words that people give from the Lord. They need to be tested. They need to be tried for sure. But I have become a pastor of many pastors. And so when we started the ministry and I started Christian Fellowship Church, pastors began to, for some reason... They began to come and want to have fellowship with me and wanted to join up with Christian Fellowship Church and wanted to join up with me. Now, I said all that to tell you this. It was then that I realized if we as a group of men, pastors, if we're going to stay together, we need something to hold us together. We need some, some relationship concepts, some relationship principles That'll help us stay together. How many of you know, whether it, be, whether it be at a job or in marriage, how many of you know it's easier to come together than it is to stay together? I'm going to say that again. I saw two honest men nod their head. It's easier. Look, it is. It's easier to come together. It's easier to make a little commitment up front and say, I will, for all eternity. It's easier to do that than it is after you put your suitcase down in the bedroom and realize you don't have any closet space. <laughs> yeah. 
it's easier before than after to stay together. If you're honest with me, I'm, I've been married 53 years, and I'm telling you, there have been times and days that we didn't like each other. Now, we loved each other. We got married on what we understood about love, but there were days she didn't like me. And I understand. And there were days that I didn't like her. But we had made a commitment up front that we were going to live a certain way and we were going to live more than off of sincerity and love. Now, love is a good thing. It just depends on what kind of love. You have to define love. There's love as long as, and then there's love until. And when you get married, it's not supposed to be love as long as I get my way. It's supposed to be love until, forever, until the end, till death do us part. So in any relationship, whether it be marriage or you work for an employer or it's on your job, in any relationship, one of the missing ingredients today is a lack of understanding of what it takes for relationships to stay together. When it's easier to say, I quit, it's easier to come apart. No, we know that God brought us to this church. We know that God brought us to this job. We know that God brought us to this marriage. Now we need to stay together. And because I wanted to have a ministry that lasted more than a year or two or three, I wanted to mentor and raise up pastors who would go out and start churches or become ministers in local churches. I wanted us to be able to stay together, and I knew these principles that if we're going to stay together, we need something that will hold us together, that we can commit to, that we can agree to, and if we, all admit, if we all agree to these things and we'll keep our promise to one another and our promise to God, then these principles that I'm going to go over that many of you have heard, some of you haven't heard, these principles will keep us together. Now, as I go through them very quickly, again, I'm going to do the cliff notes of them today. Uh, I'm probably going to use as an example as I go along. Uh, I'll, I'll use myself as an example when I have violated or someone has violated these principles. You see, the, the reason, you say, you make this sound so hard. It's not hard because it's second nature. Once you get these in you, it's the Word of God. They're principles based on the Word of God. Once you know the Word of God and the Word of God is in you, then the Spirit of God will remind you how to enact these principles at the right time to maintain healthy, ongoing relationships. And so what many people think is just, if I'm just sincere, if, I just, if, we, if we just love each other, then everything's going to be all right. Well, I just gave you an example. Many people said that. They were sincere. They were in love when they got married, but it didn't last. No condemnation if you've been divorced. Just stay married if you're married now, okay? It's the best way to live, I'm telling you. And so what, what I'm going to do today is because that was important to me that we stay together, I want to just go through these relationship principles that I designed, and Corey thought it might be good if, if I did this today since I was the one who, uh, who put these relationship principles together. They're, they're not something that you uh, necessarily carry around in your pocket. You carry them around in your heart. And so when I put these together, 
being a preacher, Greg, you know, I had to make sure every word started with an F, you know, alliteration. We needed alliteration for memory. So what I want to do, rather than just kind of uh, extemporaneously take off, I want to kind of stay close to exactly the way I did write them so that we can get the full impact of them and I won't miss anything, okay? So here's the, here's the principles. There's, there's eight of them, and the first five are major, major, major important. All of them are important, but the last two or three, uh, most people never get there because they resolve the conflict. If there is a conflict or there is an offense, that, get, that gets resolved early on based on the first five principles. So let's, let me give you the first one. Uh, the first one, I think, is the forgiveness, the forgiveness principle. I will choose to walk in forgiveness and not take offense against me. I will choose to walk in forgiveness and will not easily take offense. I might put a period after offense. How's that? I, are you easily offended? Do you wear your feelings on your shoulders? Does the least little word of possible criticism or accusation set you off? How are you at forgiveness? And if you do get offended, it's inevitable, the scripture says, that offenses will come. They're coming. You can't live in this world and not have an opportunity to be offended. But if you are offended, do you forgive real easy? Is it easy for you to say, I'm sorry? Is it easy for you to quickly say, I was wrong? Please forgive me. Do you realize how many things could be solved? How many relationships could remain healthy? How many offenses could be quickly done away with if we were those who forgave easily. I choose. It's a choice, by the way. You choose to get offended. You choose not to get offended. The scripture says in Proverbs 19:11, different translations, it says, it's to the glory of of a man, mankind, it's to the glory of mankind, it's to the glory of people to overlook a transgression. Kind of like you've heard the phrase, water off a duck's back. It just rolls off. It doesn't stick. The word glory there could mean several things. Uh, one author says it is virtuous it is noble to overlook a transgression I choose to forgive but they didn't ask me they need to come and they need to humble themselves and they need to ask me to forgive them you realize you can forgive people who've never asked you to forgive them simply from your heart 
to the Lord. Lord, I don't receive that. I forgive them for what they said. I forgive them for what they did. doesn't mean they is right. It means I want to be righteous. You can be right or you can choose to be righteous. Most, including myself at times, I'm tempted to want to be right, especially when my wife and I are having a little go. You have goes? Yeah, and we have stops. We have goes and stops. Sometimes it's yield. We'll just park it for a while till we can have a chance to go at it again. <laughs> so, so I got you. I, I know now. I know that you know that I know about you as well as now you know about me. Y'all here? I know she said it. Walk away and forgive her. Most of the times I became, I'm just, boy, I'm really uncovering myself today. But what better day than, than today? Most of the times, my upset, my anger, being upset at my wife has to do with this. I want to be right, and she won't argue with me. She does what a righteous person does. She overlooks my offense. She doesn't take it personal. She just forgives me. She just knows me. Lord, he's yours. I, 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 I forgive him. And when I start something and I want to prove my point, you know, you, you know what I mean when I want to prove my point? I won't let it go. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I, I'm not going to let this go. You're going to concede, and you're going to agree with me, and when she won't concede, and when she won't agree with me, and she won't fight back, when she won't defend herself, when she won't get in the fray, that makes me more upset. That's a good principle right there. Because a lot of problems relationally would be resolved if this first principle was enacted by us. I'll overlook that. That's not important. I don't need to be right here. I don't need to take this offense. This is not going to help me. I just choose to forgive. Y'all like that? Does somebody here need to go home and say I'm sorry? Maybe you just kind of nudge him and that's letting him know you forgive him. Go ahead. Now, don't you feel better that you're forgiven? That's the faithfulness principle or the forgiveness principle. Now, the second principle, and I don't even know if I'm going to get to all these today. I'm having such a good time talking about them. It's called the first word principle. The first word principle. If I have a problem with you, if, if, there, if, in, if in our relationship I have a problem with you or you have a problem with me, the first word principle is you'll be the first person to know about the problem I have with you. 
I have a problem with Brandon. You, you, you're not going to know about it unless Brandon tells you because I'm not going to tell you if I have a problem with Brandon. You know what I'm going to do if I have a problem with Brandon? What does the principal say I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Brandon. Well, I, I told my wife, we're one flesh, you know. That doesn't mean that. You, you throw, that old, throw that old one flesh at me. I can tell my wife because we're married. No, you're two separate chosen believers. So someone came to my office. They said, Brother Ron, you offended me, and I'm coming to confront you about your offense, what you did to me. Okay, example. So here's what I do with these principles. If I want our relationship to maintain good health, you come to me and say you have an offense with me, I want to get at it. I want to say I'm sorry. I want to make things right. Got it? But before I do, it's very possible if you do that, and I know these principles and you know these principles, I'm going to ask you, uh, have, have you told anyone else that you're offended with me? See, before I just quickly say, I'm sorry, forgive me, Forgiveness may be in my heart, and I'm going to say I'm sorry, but first of all, we need to find out if this person is really sincere of being right with me, and did they do it the right way? Y'all still with me? Come on. Somebody say something. You with me? Follow me? So I'm going to ask you, if you say I'm offended with you, before, before we get to my apology, I'm going to ask you. I'll use Brandon. Keep using him. Hey, he's a target. Brandon, have you told anyone else about this? Now, here's my, here's my experience in working this for many, many years now. The person usually says, no. You know? You've seen presidents say, I did not do that. <laughs> no is always the first answer. It's a lie usually, but it's the first answer, no. No. So what I do, I wait them out. I'll ask again. Let's just slow down, and I want you to think about that a little while. Have you told anyone about your offense with me? And it'll get real quiet, real, real quiet. Well, yes, I, I, I told one person. Oh. Let me tell you something about people. If they told one, they told five. Let's wait. Well, I did tell them, yes. Well, I told, and they, they began to let me know that they have told a lot of people about the offense they have with me. Now, why do we like to tell people? Why do we, why do we want to do that? Why do we want to go? Look, this is the most, this scripture right here, if your brother offends you, go to your, if your sister offends you, go to your, You go to the person who offended you. And the reason that we don't like to do this is it's very humbling. And we also want to build a defense team. 
You see, a lawyer, if he's, if he's, if he's a defense attorney, he's going to gather all the witnesses he can that will be on his side. And that's why we tell other people, we try to win them over to our side and hear our perspective and see how we were. It, it, it's, got it? We, we do that. We're human. Okay, so we're human. That's why we need the principles to be able to say, I'm sorry. Or the principle that says, I can overcome offense. First word principle. I'll guarantee you, if I have a problem with anybody here, I will come to you first. And let me tell you what, if that were to happen, you know what I wish you would do if I did come to you? I wish you'd say to me, Brother Corzine, who else have you told about this? Because if you're going to live according to these principles, you have every right to enact those principles toward, back toward the people that you've agreed to live this way with. You'll be the first person to hear about it if I have a problem with you. The third one is the, the faithfulness principle. Faithfulness to our relationship outweighs the importance of any offense between us. Now, that, that's what you call really getting down to brass tacks. Our relationship is more important than any offense I can think of that would try to separate us. I thought of a couple exceptions. You say exceptions? Yeah. Uh, the issue of abuse. The issue of abuse. If you abuse me or you abuse your spouse or you abuse a child, any abuse, uh, it's going to change the nature of our relationship, right? It'll change the nature of our relationship. Adultery and abuse, it can change the nature of the relationship. I'm not going to have hatred in my heart. I, I, may, I, I may even do what the Scripture said. I may forgive you, but we ain't going on vacation together. You know, you can do that. You can forgive somebody for what they've done wrong. And your forgiveness doesn't mean they were right in what they did. It just means you're not going to hold to that unforgiveness and allow bitterness to develop. So usually most of these things are minor. It's minor. Little, it's the little foxes, they say, that spoil the vines. It's the little bitty things. So most issues that we have are not abuse and they're not adultery. Most little bitty things we have, uh, the enemy would throw at us to see if they, he can break down the relationship between us. And uh, Other than these two exceptions I can think of right now, abuse and adultery, I'm going to say there's no issue that's greater than my relationship with you, Brandon. I cannot think of any other ones than what I've discussed. I cannot think of any that's more important than our walk together. That should be true of all of us in this room, not just between husband and wife, but between all people who are believers in the body of Christ. I'll tell you something else. Unbelievers can enact this, and it'll still work. You know, you don't have to be saved. You don't have to be born again. You don't have to be chosen. You don't have to be a child of God in order to enact these principles. These, these are principles that will work 
It has to do with mutual respect and dignity of other people. Faithfulness to our relationship is more important than this little fuss we're having. The friendship principle. It's my responsibility to approach you if I need your help. I will not expect you to interpret my actions or recognize my heart's condition. And the scripture says in Proverbs 18, 24, it's my friends come and friends go, but true friends stick by you like family. A friend loves at all times. That's how you somehow determine the level of friendship, whether you just got an acquaintance with someone or you have a deep friendship. If you have a deep friendship with someone, then that friend will stick with you to the end. And sometimes friends will stick with us longer than our own family will stick with us. Have you ever discovered that? If I need you, it's my approach. It's my responsibility to approach you. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking, it just hit me, I'm thinking, You have to tell me if you need my help. You have to tell me if something's wrong. I may not know. I'll never forget one day coming home, and I opened the front door, and I smelt some good stuff coming out of the kitchen. And I hollered, Woohoo, honey, I'm home. No response. So I moved toward the kitchen, lay my stuff down. Honey, honey, I'm home, I'm home. No response. I stand in the kitchen door, and she's over there at the stove. Hey, babe, how you doing? No response. Now, I don't know if you know that. That's not good. <laughs> that, that's, that's not good. Because usually she hadn't used all of her words for the day, and she's already started. So I walked over behind her at the stove, and, I, you know, I know we have children, but I just kind of reached around and whispered in her ear and just took a little nibble on her ear. Hi, babe. Nothing. I said, honey, what's wrong? And it was silence. I said, honey, babe, what's wrong? And she said to me, you know... I know. Obviously, I don't know. And let me say to all you wonderful women here that may want to try that, you know what you did. We don't know. <laughs> Look, we don't have a clue. And unless you tell us what's wrong, what we did, or how you may need our help to get through whatever you're experiencing, we won't ever know. If you need help, let me know you need help. Well, you know, our family, we go to Christian Fellowship, CF. We go to CF out there. We, we go to Christian Fellowship. And uh, Saturday, we moved to a new house, and not one person, not one person at church showed them helped us move. And that's the word that goes out. 
Nobody helped us move in that church. And my question is going to be, what? Did they know? Did you ask? I remember in ministry talking to a lady, sweet lady. But when she came back to church, she said, you, I said, I hadn't seen you in a while. She said, you, I, I don't, I've been in the hospital. I've been in the hospital for over a week. She said, and you didn't call. I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were in the hospital. If you go to the hospital and you want your pastor or somebody from the staff to visit you or to know, to pray for you, you might consider picking up the phone, calling them, and asking for help. You can't accuse people for not helping you if you don't ask for help. They should just know. that They ought to know I need help. They don't know. How about the four-day principle? People say, where did you come up with four days? The four-day principle is this. I will, allow, I will not allow any problem I have with you to go unresolved more than four days. Well, where's that, where's that in the Bible? You got you to, I thought the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I'm telling you, the sun has gone down on my wrath and come back up several times <laughs> before, I, before I got before I got things resolved. I, I know what the scripture says, and we all know what the scripture says, but knowing what the scripture says and doing what the scripture says is two different things. So I came up with a four-day principle. Now, let me tell you why. Well, let me tell you where I got it. I got to thinking, why four days? Why four days? And then I remembered the story of Lazarus. He'd been dead Time Jesus got there. Remember, he said, by now, it's been four days, and by now, he, he stinketh. If you don't resolve conflict in a relationship within four days, that relationship is going to stink. It's not going to get better by doing nothing. It gets better by doing what's right. It's the four-day principle. Sooner the better, but here's what I do know. Some people need more time to process. Not everybody can just make quick decisions and deal with things like that. Some people need time to think about it. And I find that's okay because in four days, Holy Spirit can come along and he can touch somebody's heart and say, you know what? You need to take a look at what he said or you need to take a look at what she said. There may be some validity to that. So give people time. Give them a little space. It's okay to give somebody a little space. Uh, they may be having uh, in a bad mood, whatever. Give them some space. But I'm telling you what, within four days, if it's not resolved, I'm coming toward you because I value our relationship. That's how important it is to me. The final word principle. Did I get that one? Yes. The final word principle. I will believe and act upon the last words we spoke concerning our relationship. I like that one. That's one of my, that's one of my favorites. How many of you... Nah, I don't want you to lift your hand. Uh, <laughs> just answer it in here, okay? How many of you have ever had what I'm going to call, what the Bible calls a vain imagination? 
you thought something was this way, but it really wasn't. But the enemy keeps telling you that's the way it is. So you have a friend, good relationship, you hadn't seen or heard from now in three or four weeks, and that's kind of unusual because they usually check in and y'all connect. Usually every week or so you connect, but it's been now almost a month, and you've not heard from your friend. So what is the first thing you do? I wonder what's wrong. Huh? I wonder what's wrong. Why does anything have to be wrong? Why do we think something is wrong simply because we normally talk once a week, but we hadn't spoken for a month? Why do I think something's wrong? I should never do that. I don't need to entertain that vain imagination if I believe this principle. And the principle says, I will believe and act upon the last words you spoke to me. So 30 days ago, what was the last thing she said or what was the last thing they said to you? They said, if you're an employer, my employer said I was doing a great job. Then why do you think something has to be wrong if your employer says you're doing a great job? Why do you need that vain imagination that something's wrong with you if you're, I'm, I'm, I'm being redundant, I'm repeating myself on purpose. Why do you need to think something is wrong? Your employer just told you not long ago that you were a good employee, you're doing a great job. He's glad you're with the company. Go with the last word. The last word you heard from them is the word you believe and act upon until they come to you and give you another last word. Now, the last word can change, but I'm going to act upon and I'm going to believe the last word you said about me until you tell me something different. Do you see the importance of that? Do you realize how much energy and time is wasted in people's lives sitting and pondering all the things that they think is wrong with their relationship with this one or that one or this one or that one. Just wasted time. If you tell me, I don't know, if you were to tell me when you leave today, hey, preacher, that was good. I'm going to believe you. <laughs> I'm going to believe you. All the way home, I'm going to believe you. Next time I see you, I'm going to believe you. They think I preach good. So, well, what's wrong with that? Well, I don't have any vain imaginations that you think I'm boring and you're going to go to sleep now. The last word principle. Last words are important. Because sometime there will be a day that you'll say your last words to your mate when you go off to work and you may not come home. A last word is important. Was it a word of given in haste? Was it anger? unkind, 
Just remember, last words are very important. I want to leave everybody with a good last word. That's the final word principle. We've added some other principles, and I'm going to just kind of, I think I want to start winding down. I'll leave these guys to cover it if they so choose more thorough and more in-depth. But I'm going to close by telling you, I'm an individual. I value relationships. I'm not suggesting you don't. That's not why I'm preaching this. I'm saying, if you, like me, value relationships, then the people you work with and the people you walk with, if there could ever come to a place and a time that you could enter agreements how we're going to function. I've actually written these, and I'll inject this. I've actually written these where they're not so, I don't want to say religious, but I've written them in such a way that a businessman could enact these principles within his business and his employees so that the company can stay healthy, so that the employees are not fighting with one another. I have several men that are in business that have told me they've enacted these principles among their workers, and it has actually helped relationally within their company as to how the employees deal with one another and how he deals with the employees. I think these are invaluable. They're not just something I came up with. They're scriptural. I just put it in, I put it in different words, hopefully, where people could grasp and get a hold of it. If we do these things, I'm telling you, if we do these things with people that we're in relationship with, people that we value, I don't mean just acquaintances, people on, I'm talking about within this church. All, in fact, to my knowledge, uh, all of our churches, if you're going to become uh, on staff, you're going to agree to live this way because this is the only way we know how to handle conflict is with the Word of God. And the Word of God is set forth in these principles that will help us walk together in unity and fulfill the mission that God had us on, has us on together. So here's what we do. Today, let's just leave here and say, you know what, I'm going to start choosing not to get offended. Today, I, I'm going to choose that I will forgive. I'm going to be a forgiver. I'm going to enact these principles in those valuable relationships that we have. And if we do, if we do, we'll stay together.